Well, as we finish out our series for the year, I mean, we're finishing out here throughout the rest of this year what's left on One Big Family. I want to talk about the subject on how to treat others. And I've titled it that because our mayor several months ago, the mayor of Newberry, asked the local pastors if we would, on this day, on this Sunday, November 18th, preach a message that has to do with community unity or how to treat others or loving other people or caring for other people. And he didn't do it in a way that he was obviously commanding us to do that. He can't do that. But he graciously asked if we would consider participating in that. And when an elected official will ask us to do something like that with no strings attached, I'm going to do everything that I can to try to make that happen. And so today, as God is leading me and per request of the mayor, I want to bring a message on how we should treat our fellow community members. And it's very biblical and very Christian for us to do these things. And it should be easy for us to do them from time to time. So I want you to take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. And this passage of Scripture doesn't deal with how to treat others. You say, huh? So you're preaching about how to treat others, but you're going with a passage of Scripture that doesn't talk about that. You'll see what I'm saying when I get to it. What I want you to look at is how many times the word heart appears in this passage. And, and when, when I lay it out in just a second, you'll get it. So let's stand together, okay? Stand together. Romans 10, verses 5 through 13. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that is by faith, that is by faith says, do not say in your what? Heart. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and what? In your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. This is what we proclaim. This is what we're all about as a church. This is what we're all about as Christians. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And here it is. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Father, as we lay out this theme about how to treat others, we actually see it right in here. And when we come to Christ, All the differences, all the issues that we have with other people cease because we are under your authority and our hearts have been changed. So I thank you. 
for your word and for making it clear to us. Speak through me today. Help me to convey the message that you've put upon my heart. Thank you for our mayor and for his challenge and for his vision to call our community together after we worship today so we could break bread together and eat and get to know each other better. So I thank you for what we're going to experience in this service and around the table later. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. So let's jump right in. How to treat others. Number one, it all starts in the what? Heart. It all starts in the heart. Now we read this passage in Romans talking about what happens when a person gives their life to Christ. It happens with the heart. And because it happens within the heart, within us, on the inside of us, then our mouth is able to speak. So in other words, Christianity, being saved, becoming a Christian, is an inside-out uh, it's an inside-out thing that happens in your heart and mind. Now, I say this to get to this point here. Years ago, back in the late 1990s, might have been the year 2000, somewhere around there, I think it was the late 1990s, though, there was a movement going on in America among men called Promise Keepers. Coach Bill McCartney, uh, who was a coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, had started it. And it grew to where men were meeting in football stadiums for a weekend. And we took a group of men, we went with several churches in our area, and we took a bus and we went to Jacksonville. And that Friday night was amazing. It was just amazing. The preaching to men's hearts and to challenge them. The, I mean, it was just amazing, the experience, all of us being together. Saturday morning, a little bit more of that. And then when Brother Bill McCartney got up to speak, I think it all changed. And here's, here's, here's where it, it changed. I think I know what he believes. Well, I know, I know what he believes because I've, I've read a lot of his stuff over the years. But he got up and he spoke. Now listen to me. He spoke on racism. But I think he missed it that day. And I'll tell you why I think he missed it. Everything was being built up for men's hearts to be changed. And then, instead of giving men the opportunity to change their hearts, Coach McCartney, and I think, I think his intent was right, but I think he missed it. He started talking to people's minds instead of their heart. And I just remember just... Just sinking, saying, I love every human being because Christ is in my heart. Not because somebody changed my mind on how I should think. And he missed it. And I believe, I really believe this. I was in that stadium that day. I believe that multitudes of men were ready at that moment to fall on their face before God and repent. And it didn't happen. Now you say, boy, that's pretty harsh of you to make that statement in judgment. Lots of years have gone since then. And I will tell you about Coach Bill McCartney. He loves God, and I believe his intent was right. I believe his, his desire was right 
calling men to put aside their differences. But what, what I believe is when a man or a woman gives their heart to Christ, if they had racial issues in their heart, if they hated other people, if they thought they were better than other people because of their socioeconomical situation, if they thought that, that, they're, you know, that they were better than their neighbors or whatever, when Christ comes into a man or woman's heart, He changes all of that. It all starts in the heart. And then you are able to treat other people just like you treat yourself. Because the Bible says, and we're going to read that in a minute, to love your neighbor as yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Hatred of another person, um, and all of this starts in the heart. And if a man's not saved, his motives are wrong. But if a man gives his heart to Christ... Now he's under the authority and the lordship of Christ. And all that matters is one color. Red. The red blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. That's what it's all about. So it starts in the heart. Look at what the Bible says here in Matthew 15, 17 through 20. Okay. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Now, the context of what Jesus was talking about here, where they were saying, but, but eating with unwashed hands do not defile them. The Pharisees were mad because Jesus' disciples were, were, were not properly ceremoniously washing their hands before they ate, okay? And that's what he says here in, in, in that passage. Here's what I want to tell you about that. It starts in the heart. When I had brain surgery, I was put under anesthesia. And then, after the anesthesia wears off, they give you hard pain medication. And there's one or two medicines that work. There's only one or two medicines. Number one, one of them is morphine. And the other is, well, I forget what the other one is. But that's what they had me on. I am told the things that came out of my mouth while under the influence were vile. If that ever shows up on Facebook, I will cast a spell on you. No. And I'll tell you, they told me about it after I, came, after I was off all those medications and all that. They told me about it, and I was horrified for months. I was sick to my stomach for months because I kept going to the Scripture, and I said, well, what's really in my heart came out. But then God showed me something as a result of that. That's my old man that was under the influence of something else. But when my new man, who was under the influence of Christ, and I always said this after that, I said, I am a case study as why you should never do drugs. <laughs> Just in that little window after I had that surgery, and they put me on those drugs, I was, whoa, all kinds of stuff came out of my mouth. And it's because it came from the heart. It came from the, the lying, uh, sinful depraved man that I am without Christ. The Bible says it's the old man. And the old man is still there because I'm still in this body. But I'm new in Jesus Christ. And it all starts in the heart. So what comes out of a man's mouth or anybody's mouth 
reveals what's in the heart. That's where it all starts. And so if, 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 if I have to try to convince you to treat another person with dignity and respect and equal as a human being, there's something wrong with your heart. You see what I'm saying? It starts right there. Number two. Number two, how to treat others. In treating others right, it is the second greatest of all God's commands. Now, we studied some of this in Sunday school today, and I've preached a whole sermon on this, but it's worth repeating, okay? So Matthew 22, 36 through 40, look at what it says here. It's the second greatest commandment of all. Teacher, which is the great greatest commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus answered. He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay? That's the first. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. As I talked to our Sunday school class this morning about it, now they didn't have the New Testament at the time, but they had the Old Testament. All the law and the prophets. So the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, and then the prophets. Everything in Scripture, Jesus was saying, basically hangs on whether you love God and whether you love other people. And the word is neighbor there. He's not talking about your next door neighbor. He's talking about anybody that's near you. And so all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, you can know all of the Bible, know all about God's Word, but if you don't love your brother or your sister or your neighbor or your fellow human being, if you don't have the love of God in you for them the way God loves them, then you've missed all of what the Bible says. You've missed it all. Coach Pritchett said it earlier today in Sunday school. That's one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. All the law and the prophets hang On these two commandments, on these two commands, do you love God and do you love other people, okay? So keep this in mind. It is the second greatest of all God's commands. And the first one we dealt with, number one, it all starts in the heart. And what we read in Romans, if you you give your heart to Christ, He'll change you from the inside out. And you'll look at people differently. It is the second greatest of all God's command. Number three, how to treat others. We are to love others the way we love and care for ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love others the way we love and care for ourselves. I'm sorry about this, my Sunday school class. Some of this bleeds over in the, in the class. It's just hard when you're the pastor and you got It's just hard. So sometimes we teach some of this in, in Sunday school in some ways. Listen, how do you care for yourself? You feed yourself. I, I, I always go to that first because it overtakes sleep. I know when I'm hungry and I'm sleepy at the same time, I get hangry. Hangry, we come up with that word. Hungry and angry. And if I'm super hungry, I can't sleep. Hard to go to sleep. It really is, right? So I say hunger first, food first. What do we do? We take care of ourselves. We feed ourselves. We make sure that we, we, we do that. We clean ourselves. We, you know, we, we take care of shelter for ourselves. 
we provide for ourselves, we provide a place for ourselves to, to rest and sleep and provide a little bit of pleasure for ourselves. You follow what I'm saying? We treat ourselves pretty well most of the time. I'm talking about normal people now. I'm not talking about someone that's sick or, or, or what have you, but normal people. And when we are sick, we try to get well. We go see a doctor. We do what we have to do. Well, the Bible says that in the same way you love yourself and take care of yourself and treat yourself, that's the way we're to treat other people. We should look at them no differently. And so when we see somebody else as though we're looking at an image of ourselves, because they're our fellow human beings, we're to love others the way we love and care for ourselves. Now, the scripture we read just a little while ago talks about all these sins and all of that. Uh, in Matthew 15, it's not to say that if, if, if I'm reaching out to somebody to help them repent and turn from the way they're living, that I hate them. No, as a matter of fact, I love them because love does not rejoice in iniquity, the Bible says. You understand what I'm saying? But at the same time, I don't judge them to say that you're a horrible human being, you're beyond God's love, you're beyond God's forgiveness because you were doing such and such. Now that's judgment. You see what I'm saying? That's judgment. Lauren Daigle, the singer, she's probably number one Christian singer right now in all of America, uh, sings some unbelievable songs. Um, she has been invited uh, to go on several. Uh, she went on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and then she went on, um, was it Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, I don't like Jimmy Kimmel. I love him. But he, me, and, me and Jimmy don't get along. You know, just ask him, you know. Because I, I talk to him when I see him on TV. I'm like, nope, that's wrong. Yeah, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Still love him. But she has been criticized for going on those shows because um, Ellen is, is an active lesbian. Jimmy can't stand Christians. Why would she go on those shows? I'll tell you why. Because she is a Christian bringing the aroma of life and she is to love everybody. And like she said, I can't choose who I'm going to love. Now, I would never be invited on those shows. But if I were, you know what I would do? I'm going. Not because I want to be famous, because I don't want to be famous. I want people to leave me alone. Not because of that. I'm going because I want to show in living color, in living life, what a Christian should be like. And I want to share the love of Christ with somebody who doesn't believe what I believe and doesn't agree with what I believe. And I can sit with them, and I can love them, and I can have a conversation with them. That's what we need in this country. That's what we need in this world. We need Christians who are not afraid to be around people who are different, but to show how life can be. That's what we need to do. We're to love others the way we love and care for ourselves. I thank God for the Christian people who involved themselves in my life when I was lost and living ungodly. And I, and I thank God that they didn't shun me. Now, they didn't come and live the way I was living. They, they weren't around during some of that stuff. They, they didn't live that way. But I tell you what, they were around enough to care for me and love me and help my heart to be moved by God when God began to deal with me. 
And it's partly because of the way they treated me that my mind and my heart were open to what God was getting ready to do in my life. No, they didn't start living the way I was living. But they made sure that I knew that they cared for me and loved me. Wow. I didn't even love myself. And they were loving me. I was like, what the heck is wrong with these people? They're nuts. That's what I thought. They're all loving on each other and acting like they care about each other and all that. Heck, my family, all we're doing is fighting with each other, calling each other names, making fun of each other and all of that. And yet, these people here, they were genuinely concerned about me and I didn't even like me. It was powerful, man. And as that song we sang earlier, they were trying to tell me there's a better life in Christ. (laughs) It's the greatest life. I couldn't understand it. I rejected it at first. But God began and continued to deal with me. And then finally I gave my life to Christ and my heart was changed. And when my heart changed, everything changed. My behavior changed. What I did with my life, the way I viewed other people. Look, we had a group of people in South Louisiana, where, I, where I'm from, that are part Native American, part white, part black, just a mix of things there, and they were treated and called a certain name, a racial slur that they were called, a French name. And everybody knew who they were. They had a, you could tell by their last name if they were part of that group. And that's how, that's the prejudice that I grew up with. That's what we look upon them with. And I'll never forget when I got saved, all that was gone. It's like, how could I ever think like that? How could I ever feel that way? It's like an instantaneous change of heart and mind it's called repentance and god did it and it was gone forever isn't that amazing that's that's the kind of god we serve how to treat others see that was that was poured into me by my culture and god said that's not biblical Boom, and it changed. Number four, here it is. Here's the last point. Some of these points may not seem to go together, but it is what it is. You can't love others without forgiveness. You can't love others without forgiveness. Let me say it this way. If you've been on the side where somebody has mistreated you or done you wrong because of of your nationality or because of your skin color or what have you you don't have a right to hold on to that if somebody's looked down upon you because of your social economic situation look my last name is Sheremy. if you now i don't know if you can even find a phone book do they still make phone books anymore i remember they used to deliver them there and in, in bags and put them at your uh, mailbox here they still do that I guess somebody must steal mine because I don't get it anymore. I, I wouldn't even use it anymore. But, but the, the old phone book, it was the Latelco phone book, Louisiana Telecommunications, Latelco. 
And it was, you know, not as big as the phone book from over here, but it was a phone book like that. And when you got to the seas, it was probably 15 pages of Sheremies. We were the Smiths of the Cajun community, okay? Yeah. Sheremies. And you had a small group of Sheremies that hit it big time in the maritime industry with supply boats and tugboats and in the oil field and all that, and they became very wealthy. But the vast majority of us were poor as dirt. My dad comes from a place called the Pointe aux Saucisses. Pointe aux Saucisses. You know what that is? Sausage Point. Now, isn't that something? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Sausage, sausage Point. Wow. Pointe aux Saucisses. And when somebody said, oh, he's from the plant, that means he's from the point, and that means that he's poor, and that means that he's uneducated, and that means that uh, he's, he's, he's not in an upper bracket. He's in the lower caste system of our community and our society. And I know this to be true. When, um, when I went to see LSU football practice last year, Coach Vester took us, and we got to go watch. So coaches, high school coaches can go to bowl game practices. So we went during the week before LSU played in the Citrus Bowl last December. And we got to go, and we were the only coaching staff there that was watching it, and we were watching it from the stadium, watched the whole practice, pretty awesome practice at a local high school there. And it was over and went down to the fence where the players and the coaches and all that were coming. And I was waiting to talk to one person, Coach Ogeron. Okay, he went to the same high school as me. And I had my arms on the fence, and I was all decked out in LSU gear. Coach, I was the only one in LSU gear. I don't understand that. But anyway, I think Coach was in his FSU gear. I'm like, what the? You know. Anyway, so I'm, I'm there. And here comes Coach O. You know, old Coach O from LSU. Here he comes, and he's walking. And I said, I say, hey, Coach O, come on, ça va bien? And I said it in French, and he goes, hey, ça va bien? I said, hey, Coach O, how's it going, buddy? How's it going, old man? And uh, he said, oh, it's going really well. I said, hey, my name's Corey Sheremy. He goes, oh, you are Sheremy from down the bayou. He means from the plant. He basically said, you're one of those underprivileged Sheremys. I'm like, what, do I have it written on my face? <laughs> he knew. He just knew it. I said, yeah, you're from Sheremy from down the bayou, right? Because he's from La Rose, which is three communities north, but we all went to the same high school. And I'm, I'm, I'm down south, and the farther south you go, the poorer you are. And I'll never forget that. And, and, and then we had a talk, and I even talked to him. I said, hey, man, I said, uh, I played uh, running back and all of that. I go, oh, I remember you. And I thought, yeah, right. And I said, uh, I said, no, you don't remember me. And he goes, yeah, I remember you. You used to have a little buddy. That, uh, you had two, had two share of me running back. I said, yeah. He goes, I remember you. I said, dang. I wanted to ask how come he didn't recruit me. But I looked at myself again, and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I asked him, I said, now, there's something i got to tell you. I said, I know you don't remember this, but I remember when I was in the sixth grade, we played the state championship. I used to love it when the state championships used to be played at the home stadiums. Pretty awesome. And we had, we had 12,000 people there, and in the sixth grade, we won. And at the end of the game, when we, when, when, when we won, all my buddies were in the sixth grade. We jumped the rail, landed on the benches, 
and took off to the field. And the first person I went to was the biggest human being on the field was Coach O. And I grabbed him by the shoulder pads, and I kept falling off, and I jump and grab and jump and grab. And, and I said, Coach O, I, I did that to you. He goes, all these years later, you're the one that did that? He was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and he remembered that. But I'll never forget. He said, you are sharing me from the bayou, from down the bayou, meaning you're in the lower caste system. I know what it's like to think that you're nothing. You don't deserve what other people have. Now, not like maybe other people who have suffered, but I know what it's like. The moment I got saved, my heart was changed. All that was forgiven anybody. You know why? Because now I think like Christ. Now I see it the way He sees it. People do what they do because they don't have Christ in their heart. And so evil comes. I was evil just like that. I looked down on other people because of what they were and their last name and and what have you. That's the way I did it before I was saved. But once I got saved, that all changed. You follow what I'm saying there? Jesus experienced all of that when he met the Samaritan woman. So you can't love each other without forgiveness or you can't love others without forgiveness you and i have to forgive look at what the bible says here i'm in with this matthew 6 12 through 15 this is in the in the model prayer where he says here's how you ought to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father or your Father will not forgive your sins. In other words, if you're unwilling to forgive other people, you obviously have never received Christ as your Savior. Because one who has been forgiven much will forgive much in other people. And all of us have been forgiven much because of what we've done to God. And so I think it's simple. No matter what's going on, while our country is on fire, in division politically, in division racially, in division economically, in in division uh, in, in, in religious circles, it's time for the true Christians to stand up and shine and show the world this is how we treat each other. Oh, we can disagree heavily but i will treat you with love and respect and i will forgive you even if you dislike me or hate me i'm going to forgive you that's how i'm going to choose to live my life <laughs> let me ask you something you ever, you ever get offended or mad with somebody for something little they've done to you don't lie because that's a sin too don't lie oftentimes it's the little things that get us more than the big things right two examples that happened to me in the last week one of my biggest boy you want to get me you want to get me of only three people who can get me are my children because it applies to my children if i call you
All I ask is that you answer. And if you're not at a place where you can answer, can you just fire off a text? Because I know you love to text. Fire off a text to me and say, Dad, I can't speak right now, but I'll call you later. That's, that will suffice me just like that. But when you texted me and you called me three times in the day, and I answered every time you called, and I listened to what you had to say, and I gave you some advice, or I listened to what you had to say, and I rejoiced with you, and I was happy with you, and all of that, and I listened to what you had to say, and I really didn't care what you had to say at that moment, three different times, I listened. And I answered. When I was doing important things, like looking at a game cam at Dick's Sporting Goods that I wanted to buy, but I chose not to buy it, but I was trying to make a big, serious decision. But I stopped and answered your call. And then when I call you, you don't answer. And then I text you, hey, can you please call me? And I get no response, crickets. So then I respond back and I say, did you eat your phone? Or did you run over it? Because obviously something happened to your phone because you're not responding to me. Crickets. So you know what I did? I got mad. I said, I'm going to wear it out. I called. Hey, it's dad. Call me back. Hey, it's dad. Call me back. Hey, it's dad. Call me back. I mean, I do it. Man, they get so upset with me. Guess what? You upset me, I upset you. Now, that's not right, but it was a little thing. And, and the, what I had to call about was very insignificant. But now, all of a sudden, my blood pressure is up, I'm upset, and I'm angry. Now, I can't even focus on buying a game cam. And I was so upset. And so I had to text Penny. I'm like, my counselor, can you help me here? What's wrong with our kids? Why won't they answer me? And she goes, it's going to be okay. What is it important? No, it's not important, but it's, now it is because now I'm mad. And then she goes, and then she goes, well, it's, it'll be okay, baby. It'll be okay. Just calm down. She's down. Calm down. And I, I'm texting all this, and it's like my face is getting red. And, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, this is Dad. Would you call me? And then somebody at Dick's Point said, sir, are you all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just having kid problems, but thank you. Can I help you with anything? No. You, if you can get my kid on the phone, you can help me greatly. And it was a question over a toolbox. You ever get that way? Yesterday, I'm coming off of Newberry Road, and I'm turning right there at Oakdale Baptist Church. I'm taking a left at the light, right? No cars coming this way. So you ever do this when you turn? You don't take a 100% right angle, right angle but you kind of like, boom, you kind of like, like, like cut cut it off like right there and well there was a truck coming but they were a long ways away from me and the lady in the in the passenger seat she was doing this looking at me like, and after she went by i was driving i went <laughs> about my brother bill's house over there i went by and i'm doing and for like, for like five seconds, man, I was upset. And I went, I forgive her. She, she, I forgive her. 
And before church started today, I finally forgave my kid for not answering me. No, I'm just kidding. No, I dealt with it right there, and I just said, okay, forgiveness, you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive. Isn't it sometimes the small things that get to us? It's even in the small things that we need to forgive. I don't know who that lady is, but I've forgiven her. She challenged my driving decisions. I'm supposed to be at a serious point here, but I can't, I can't get past it. Okay, so y'all, we have the clarion call of the Word of God on how to treat other people. And yes, we all struggle with that from time to time. I'm not about to stand up here and tell you I'm a perfect example of that because I'm not. Like the old saying, you're going to get knocked down sometimes and you're going to fall down. And it's, and it's okay, it's going to happen not okay when you sin but it's going to happen but it's not okay to stay there okay and you're going to get aggravated with people if you're a human you're going to get in a fight with yourself sometimes so that's going to happen though it's not okay to let that be our default position never We have to rise above that and treat people with great, great respect and great love. Then, then maybe we'll be given an audience with them and they'll want to know what's going on inside of us that makes us love them and treat them that way. Maybe. You see what I'm saying? So as we go about our community and go about our lives and go about doing our thing, let's let's keep that in mind. You can be the greatest witness to people by how you treat them. And God will open up the door for you to actually tell them what's really going on. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at how they'll they'll step right into the question. And they'll ask you. And there it is. There's your opening. Hey, what do you do for a living? (laughs) When they ask me that, I'm like, I can go 50 different ways with that. I could say I'm in the people business. I could say I'm a speaker public speaker i could say um, i'm in the uh, hospice care business i mean i could say all kinds of things so it opens up i usually say well i'm a pastor and, and oh really and when they say really it's another big wide open door yeah let me tell you about what happened in my life i do it all the time <laughs> and it's pretty awesome so anyway let's stand together everybody